Welcome to another episode of Morning Coffee with your host, Rick Alexander. I started this show to talk about all of the interesting, complex, paradoxical, and sometimes uncomfortable aspects of the human experience. If you get anything from this show, the greatest compliment you could give me is to share this show with somebody that you think the message may resonate with or to head to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Additionally, if you want to interact with me, you can follow me at rickalexander underscore on Instagram. Without further ado, on to the show. Welcome back to The Deep End with me, Rick Alexander, and my fiance, Danielle McGinnis. We're going to kick this off, uh, this episode off with a quote out of a book called Young and Shamanism, and we're going to be talking a bit about personal will. So, Danielle, if you want to start us off with that quote. Yeah, so this is a quote by C. Michael Smith. He says, sacred space cannot be generated by an act of human will. It can be provoked invoked and prepared for by questing fasting and various ritual means but it is beyond the power of human beings to force its manifestation human beings do however have important responsibilities in the consecration and maintaining of the boundaries demarcating sacred space and this human function is of paramount importance Mm, so i think it's interesting because a, a lot of things kind of came up for me as you were reading that and I think there's a conversation about the dynamic between will and grace. And I guess now I'm realizing that that rom-com maybe had a title named Will and Grace because those two are the like dynamic uh, divine and human forces that are in tension throughout the world. Right? Man, that's super interesting. That is really interesting. I love I that didn't, show. I didn't mean to stumble upon that. But that's just what came up for me. So anyway, I want to unpack that. But I want to start by... Um, talking a little bit about this idea of mantras and and it's something that you actually really kind of opened my eyes to it's interesting because i'm thinking of my own just sort of journey through the personal development space and i certainly get to got to a certain place you know you say something all the time it's like well it'll work until it doesn't and i think about my own journey through the personal development space and the use of mantras and stuff and um I think about how exhausted it makes me like, like I'm always trying to, um, you know, I think if we're not careful in Western culture, we can really get the idea that like this reality is ours to control. And, and so like, I just think about how exhausting it gets to control everybody's perception of you and to control what happens to you and to control how you show up. And like, um, I think that's where I want to start the conversation. It's just that idea that we spend a ton of energy trying to control our reality. It's interesting because what came up for me there was the use of ma- mantras feel feels to me like it's a it's trying to be an act of self-love perhaps Mm -hmm. like you're becoming a greater 
individual for the collective. But I don't think that's the problem that our collective is being a given right now. I think we don't need more individual fake personas, people who are half versions of themselves. We need individuals who are striving towards wholeness in their mess. Mm. We don't need individuals who are confident all the time and are beautiful all the time and are amazing all the time. Like we need individuals in their shit. And I think that for me, I've just realized that mantras in that space, I think they promote individuality and not individuation. And I think that is different. Let's talk about the difference just so that people don't get lost in the weeds three minutes into this thing. Like what is (laughs) right? Like as in Western culture, we own our individuality. Everything is individual for us. Mm -hmm. Um, What's individuation then? So individuation is, is basically the concept that Jung termed as the striving towards wholeness. It's the bridging of the opposites. So in terms of your own personal growth, it is bringing all of these unconscious elements to consciousness so the thing with individuality is is i think that the personal development space is moving towards just consciousness Mm -hmm. without the bridging of the opposite which is the shadow and so the example that i used um when i chatted about this on my podcast a little bit was the example of the imposter because imposter syndrome is something that a lot of people resonate with. And we convince ourselves that like, I am brave, I am confident, I am strong, whatever you feel like an imposter as, Mm -hmm. I am courageous. But like in that, what about the imposter within you? Because By saying, I am this, you're denying, you're making the ego identify with all of the things in which you wish you were, but you're de-identifying and you're invalidating the shadow, all of the things that you wish you weren't. I think this is what's been missing in my own teachings a little bit with imposter syndrome because I'm good at breaking down why it happens and and it's something we all struggle with. Yeah, here are the steps that we need to take to like get through this struggle but it's like but it still shows up it's still just this like looming presence that's underneath because that's the shadow the shadow is saying like hey but what about me i am an imposter i don't know what i'm doing i'm Mm -hmm. not confident i'm scared as shitless to do this what about me yeah and so we by just being like i'm confident i'm confident i'm confident like what you're doing essentially is disavowing the part of you that's like actually scared shitless and so it's a that is a repression of shadow so i think that yeah and i think the the better perspective would be i am striving towards confidence while including all of the parts of me that are scared while acknowledging like i'm fucking scared yeah i think we have to normalize being scared yeah or just not (laughs) being ready not being ready Right. Cause this is what it is. It's like, we're like, Oh, I'm not ready for this. I'm not like, you're not ready. Like, I, I don't know. You know, it's like, cause I, I'm wrestling with the idea of we get callings in life to, I'm not even talking about callings to vocations or calling to professions, but just callings to 
aspects of life, like some part of your soul is trying to come forward. And I'm wrestling with the idea that like, I don't know, just how, how we, we don't answer that call because we don't feel like we're ready. And it's like, well, if you, and so, you know, it's, you wouldn't be getting the call if it weren't for you, right? You feeling this internal pulse or, or drive towards something. And oftentimes like that's when we run into this imposter syndrome. And so it's sort of like, I'm thinking it's like, okay, well we have to actually just accept. Yeah. Yeah. You're not ready. That's not the point. I think we're trying to like intellectualize the call. Mm. Like you're trying to put something that is, energetically way beyond your capacity as a human to understand and you're trying to make sense of it when actually there's not a lot of words that encapsulate that experience of being called like what does that even mean you know like how is that energy moving through you and pulling you in a direction like I just think there's so much unknown there that like it's hard to even box that in. And I think when we get imposter syndrome, it's perhaps because we think that because we feel this energetic pull to do one thing, our society is so kind of linear that Mm. it doesn't leave space for it to be something else. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. And that is interesting, right? Because I'm thinking of my own sort of call to study the divine and I'm like, if I flatten that, it looks like a certain profession. If I let it be what it is, it's actually me exploring all of these different ideas and modalities and not really knowing how that comes to fruition in some way. So it's interesting because this week in school, we're learning about synchronicities. And synchronicities are these meaningful coincidences that happen in your life that open your realms of belief in something greater than you up. So it's interesting to me as I think about my life and pursuing physical therapy because I knew it wasn't the path for me, but then I like convinced myself that I'll at least try to figure it out and coach half time, like kind of like split my roles and, you know, just coincidentally this job opened up in Denver for a holistic company for me to like get the hours that I wanted in so that I could still be part-time in my business that I was trying to build Mm -hmm. and it's just like oh randomly like two weeks before I contacted them a guy put in their his notice okay interesting so then that kind of unfolds and then COVID happens And by that time, I had just realized by working in that clinic that, oh, I don't want to work in clinic. And so it just opens up this opportunity for me to go full-time in my business. Mm -hmm. And then just like this year, going through all of the things that I went through, I apply for this somatic experiencing thing and then don't get in until after I have this massive like body shock experience and understand that's exactly the path that I wanted to take all along. But it, it like unfolded like over two years time but it's just like multiple synchronicities have opened up the realm of the unknown being completely okay and that makes me feel like if you if you are open to it those like little bridges are kind of always being offered 
But like sometimes we stand there and we're like, no, I don't know where it's going. I can't see the full picture. I'm not going. Well, the the understanding is is that people who live in a very rational, logical, linear way are experiencing synchronicities all the time, but they're not allowing their psyche to absorb that experience mm. because it is an experience. And so they're not experiencing the experience but it's typically for people who are super closed off rational logical to open them to the realm of the irrational illogical unknown it takes something like very kind of shocking Hmm. like loss or illness or something that actually when you look back on it it's like oh i think that was for the greater good oftentimes we say that does that make sense? Yeah, I actually did an episode last week on the MCP about how our various life crises act as initiations for us. Yeah, and so what that does is now you enter into life, kind of you're, it's almost like you have sensors mm. for the unknown now. Like at least you've turned on sensors that you're like kind of tuned in to something greater than you, a mm. little bit more than when you were before. That happened to me in this experience I had in church and it just like kind of blew my walls that I had down to the unconscious and it was like, oh, what was that? Didn't have words to explain any parts of it, but it still opened me up to surrender enough to like go into my life with less egoic force and will, Mm. I guess. I was just talking to my buddy who has gotten in a bunch of trouble and interestingly enough is like you know if you look at what he's gotten in trouble for it's not i don't know it's just it's a very interesting system i don't want to get into the details of that but he's sort of wrestling with the like burden of being the one that got in trouble Mm -hmm. and we were kind of having this conversation about like dude your life is nuts like it's an adventure and you wouldn't have it any other way like you've got your hand on this throttle in some way and like the reason i say that is because I don't know, we all have this like packaged end we think we're getting to. And like with him, I'm like, if you actually just surrender to your story, it's going to be insane. Like it's going to be incredible. Like you're on the adventure of a lifetime right now, literally. Everybody's going to die. And so like at the end of the day, like you wanted to experience life and you're doing it. And um, sometimes that comes with more pain or not. But the reason I'm, I'm, I'm sort of putting the conversation in this way is just because I think what I'm like really waking up to is that like if you actually can instead of like trying to control the image and control where it's all going like that surrender of allowing life to live through you it's you could never imagine like we could never plan being in this house right now you and I like we've talked about that so many times. I get out of the military. It's like, I'm following something. I told everybody, I'm like, I'm following something. I don't know what. And it's absolutely illogical. And if I try to explain it to you, it's like, there's going to be no, it's not going to make any sense. And like, but then here you are, here we are, you know? And, and so just this idea of like in personal development, it's, it can be, and I don't think it has to be, but oftentimes it gets framed as us having to like take the driver's seat in our lives in some way. And we think that that's what a successful person is. Mm. And part of me is just like, maybe, but also maybe like life has way better plans for you than you could imagine. 
Well, that to me is like thinking of like, okay, so if that's the goal of personal development, that we have to be in the driver's seat, like what got us out of that? You know, like what, what made us feel as if we were powerless, right? Because there's something within our story, our unfolding that made us feel as if we were (coughs) not powerful. So is that trauma? Hmm. Is that a not so positive childhood? Is that an authority? Is that cultural authority? Because oftentimes people who feel empowered don't feel like they have to be in the driver's seat of their lives. They're just experiencing. If that makes like people who I interact with who are empowered don't have that same desire to control totally so because they don't need to right so like my question is what is the thing that has happened to us as a as humanity that we believe that now we have to control it and i think here's where we can like dive into religious structures and and the kind of the the really outdated structures that are in place now that don't fit humanity right well and so i was the thing that came up for me when you were talking about that is like a lack of faith right like you have a lack of faith in the substructure of being itself and so you don't feel like you can let go and so Mm -hmm. you that you know that's what's interesting to me is like that's what you know that's what the masters always tell us right if you like look at i'm not talking about the religion but if you just look at the person of of the re- the gospel accounts right what the good news is so to speak is that the v- very substructure of being is grace and so all you actually have to do is have faith in that and so i think that we have just moved away from it like we're we're just so scared we don't know what we're having faith in or something i don't know but but to me it feels like that that's what it feels like it's like this inability to trust that it's all going somewhere good so you have to make it go somewhere yeah and it's interesting how you know it's like dogmatism is like just the that's the embodiment of lack of faith because it's like oh if we get a bunch of people together and then we have power in the individual then we don't have to have faith Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this is a hard one that we're like walking <laughs> into right now. I can like feel how I'm like trying to, how intellectually I could get out of it. But I think... Um, at well, the, how intellectually would you get out of it? It's well, a deep end, so let's... Yeah, I mean, I think that... Okay, so what I would say is that most people that profess to have faith actually live really scared and fearful existences. And I think that that's because we have a list of equations that we say, if you believe this, you'll be fine. And so like a mantra, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. And it's like somewhere in the pit of your stomach, though, you're like, oh, no, this doesn't make any sense. And that's not what faith is. That's you convincing yourself of something that you that you don't believe. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that there's a huge disparity there. Um, well, I think we should be very careful in the... And I think that, you know, we've talked about how Jordan Peterson, like when he's asked, and and Jung was asked this too, like, 
do you believe in God? And like he, like both of them would have responses of like, oh, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Now you're going to watch me wrestle for an hour (laughs) over my thoughts, right? And it's like mantras, just like what you say you believe in, is just in the realm of language. And that is in the realm of ego. What What's being filtered through your ego and coming out of your mouth is your internal experience or like you convincing yourself of your internal experience. Um, and so I think we should be careful of like what comes out of your mouth isn't necessarily what you believe in. It's really the embodiment, the acting out of your being that is an indicator of what you believe in. Totally. Yeah, 100%. And that's why when you were explaining to me your thing with mantras, I was thinking about it. And I was trying to discern, like, what is the difference between... So in one sense, a mantra is you just convincing yourself that you can control reality, Mm -hmm. right? But then in one sense, there's also... I see it as being you trying to call forth something inside of you. And so, like, Mm -hmm. what's the nuance there? Because, right, if I'm thinking, okay... I'm stepping in, I'm, I'm in my life and I'm wanting to surrender mm-hmm. and I'm acknowledging all that I am, all that I'm not. And in that moment, it's like, okay, well, I have to, you boys got to find courage, right? And so how do I, what, what's the difference between me convincing myself I can, I'm something I'm not and me actually calling forth something within me to catalyze something so that I can walk boldly into my life? I would say in the intention, right? It's like you don't go into prayer and say, like, I am Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, right? Like you call forward this energy. And I think that's the same thing with mantras, right? It's like, please help me to embody this type of energy. I would think of it like that, but I don't, I certainly don't know if that's right or wrong or it just seems like my perception is like well it seems like if you go in with the intention of like you're calling forth something within you or you're activating something within you there's a little bit more humility in okay so this is why when you were reading that at the beginning grace came up for me like this tension between will and grace because um on the contemplative path that i that i find is a really helpful outlet for my own religious impulse and spiritual practice i find that what i like about it is you can't do anything like you cannot make anything happen i've had a few experiences of like sort of bumping into god right and having these sort of experiences where like the me that i know of really became didn't matter at all and so in those what i anyway so what i'm saying is i like about that practice is you actually have to know that. Like you cannot go, it's same with meditating actually. You can't make it happen. You can't make stillness happen. You actually have to release, let go and surrender. And then what that experience of stillness that you get is a grace. You know, it is the grace that's offered to you. And so it's like, it's almost patterning and practicing acceptance and surrender versus will and drive. Yeah. Yeah, that that's really a <laughs> little bit of a mind blown emoji now as I kind of just like think about that. That seems to be true 
in my experience, but it's like, okay, so people listening to this are probably like, but how do I exist in life? Right, I want will and drive, right. Yeah, I think that's a question that um, we're all wrestling with, and I think that there is, I think we're starting to see the cultural ramifications of that being super one-sided because I feel like we're moving in a direction where acceptance, surrender, and grace is going to be more acceptable than just will and drive, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, well, look at after the world shut down, right? Like how many people's work schedules have changed or softened, right? And like me included, like just taking weekends off and not feeling so damn guilty about it. Like I just think that we're we're energetically shifting that way. It's probably going to be a slow unfolding, mm. but I do feel like there's starting to become more space for the outer world to, I guess, match that inner world experience. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's important, it's helpful to know that like they're not going to dissolve. Like will and drive aren't going to go away. Motivation doesn't go away. Actually, it just becomes more in alignment. Like the more in your purpose you become, and I mean purpose as in your soul trying to sort of come forth within you, the more in your purpose you become, the more aligned the world becomes with you and your purpose. Like it all sort of comes into alignment. It doesn't go away. It, it's just, I think for me, it's like helpful if I'm really honest about what I've ever forced and had it worked out, like had it work out. Nothing. And then, <laughs> but then I'm like, okay, but no, surely there are things that I, cause I'm a, I'm a pretty brute force person. Like I had been my, definitely throughout my twenties mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, there are things that I did force that I did get. And then I'm like, great. Now, how did that feel? And I'm like, okay, now if we're being honest with ourselves, I realize that in all of my forcing, all of my will be done really like didn't make my life better at all. Yeah, and I think that there's just like there's so much there's so much of life that lives in that story. You know, like what do you mean? same with me. It's like, you know, like I completely forced this relationship that reality was mirrored to me and I was like I will not accept reality at all and I was like forcing and forcing and forcing and it crumbled to a place where like without that I don't really think that my story would unfold to where it is right Mm. here and now so I feel like there is and I think that that's why you know it's like the first half of your life is really an egoic time but there has to be a reckoning with that there has to be a confrontation with where will no longer works in your life and that's you know typically it's your midlife crises but now that is kind of like moving forward and so we have people in their mid-20s that are experiencing what seems like a midlife crisis because our culture is different and so I think that part of the individuation process is just that it's the right relationship between personal will and divine will and so yeah I think that but without that you know pushing your ego to its limits I don't think that you truly experience life in its fullness either Mm -hmm. so yeah I think yeah I I don't think you do anything that's a true mistake like I don't know I 
have t- trouble because it's like, well, you needed to go through all that you've gone through to be who you are. So to like throw it away is like to throw part of yourself away. So that doesn't really seem to like hold water. Mm-hmm. But I think what's hard for people, and this is, I think, really beneficial and worth contemplating in your life is, you know, you staying in a shitty relationship, that's your will. That's not divine will. Like the world, the life is showing you something. It's you that is trying to control, manipulate, and go forward. Like I kind of feel that way because I don't feel like, um, you know, I, I feel that this, that I really have trouble with like the evangelical Christian community, which is tough because I also feel so called to um, talk about divine grace and love and God. And um, me just realizing it's like, you know, this is my will if I stay if I stay in a box that doesn't fit me, no matter what kind of language they use, even if they use God language. Like if the world is showing you something and it's like showing you that it doesn't fit or it's showing you that it's not serving you and it's showing you that it's not serving humanity and you're like, but I've got to stick it out. That's your will. Like you're suffering because you want it to be your way. And it's hard for people to come to terms with the fact that them staying in a shitty relationship is actually their will. Yeah, this brings into me what, you know, because I love emotions. And, you know, Young said that without emotions, unconscious will stay unconscious. Mm-hmm. It won't become conscious. So I think it's like we, we stay in that because our culture has said or our family systems or wherever we've got the notion that emotions are unsafe and they're not acceptable and so I was doing everything in my personal will to avoid facing the hurt and the sadness and the anger and all of that around that particular relationship but the same could be said for you creating a mantra to avoid facing those emotions Mm. Right? It could be forcing yourself into a relationship or forcing yourself into a mantra. But when it comes down to it, if you really want to evolve and grow, you have to like allow that emotion to move through you. That's what that's what transforms you. Is so that experience accepting whatever emotions coming forward? Well, at least learning to yeah, learning to be with that experience because you know, for some people, certain emotions feel like death. Like, literally, it feels like they're going to die if they let themselves go there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it's like, okay, well, where's faith and grace now? Because that, when you're, like, at the grips of what you perceive as death, like, that's the moment where you meet God. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. Right, right. So... Yeah, and that kind of goes with with what we were talking about last week because that is that horizontal and vertical axis meeting within you, right? That's the holding of tension between the two. So let's stay with this um, imposter syndrome one just because it's one that I think most people can relate to. Like definitely like, you know, you start a business, entrepreneur, like whatever. Imposter syndrome comes up. It's like, okay, so I don't convince myself that I don't have it. But then if I accept it and I'm just like, okay, you're right. You're fucking scared and you're over your head and you don't know what to do. Like now where am I though? Well, can't you be both? You know, like this is where I think that like you have to start to like tap into if you weren't a semi-competent individual, 
you would probably not be where you are today. So take whatever level of competence that you have and apply it in a very small way. And then when you apply that, you get feedback from that. So of course, our ego typically compares it to something else and then we say, that well, that was bad or that was good. But actually, if you just take that feedback objectively and look at it and based on your own personal value systems of where you want to go in your life and then take that next best step and process that emotion, it's like you're learning. Mm. You know, like I, I don't know. I don't know how to freaking like do workshops or like do anything fancy in business at all but it's like it's just a process of being human right and so that's what i was trying to say like we should normalize because it's like of course you don't of course you're not ready you know it's like i think we have to normalize the fact that like that doesn't mean you don't do it but we have a whole culture that just lives in the realm of image like outer image not inner image Mm -hmm. it's not you know, focusing inwards and seeing what, what you need to move forward. It's like a symbol. We're using this like outer image and it's like, well, they look like this when they do it and they do this when they do it. And we do the same thing in relationships. Well, their relationship looks like this, but like that is just an outer, like it's an outer way of seeing someone's inner experience it's a mask Mm -hmm. and so we have a whole masked culture so you for me I think running just the example of running a business it really is just I'm trying to make it this kind of like try it out inner feedback try it out inner feedback and just kind of see where it goes from there instead of looking at outer, looking at outer, striving, striving, striving towards all these outer things because that just like, it's so exhausting. Hmm. So like, I think because it, it strips the soul out of it. You're now becoming more and more extroverted versus more and more introverted. Yeah. So I think that that's why Jesus actually said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. My yoke is easy to carry. And I think that there's this moment of, like, at least for me, I'm like, you know, I just think I'm like thinking about how much energy it takes to control everybody's perception of me. Like, let alone I'm not even being me. I'm just trying to figure out how to like be the thing that I'm supposed to be in the world. And it's like, you're exhausted and that breathes no life back into you. There's no inspiration there, which is spirit, right? So there's no breath. There's no spirit coming back in. It's all just you outputting, maintaining, trying to hold this reality up. And it's like, just like spinning plates, right? And it's like, oh, now I have seven plates. Now I have eight plates. And it's like, at no point are you being rejuvenated by that process. Oh, man. I did a thing on my stories. I think it was like last weekend, I think, where I saw an influencer. And I hate to say this because I was that person. Like I, So I will say this from experience. And basically, I saw an influencer put this really long message um, in a caption on one of her posts and was like, you know, I'm like exhausted, I'm tired, but like I haven't been given more than I can handle. So if you're feeling the same way, just keep going. Mm. And I'm like, yes, and. You know, like I wish someone would have told me in that time. Like, it's okay to just put the plates down and just fucking stop. Yeah. You know, like, I 
I just feel like that can be kind of harmful. Our, our, our whole culture is so egoically driven that like for you to put the plates down means that you have to like die inside a little bit. And I think that that's kind of necessary sometimes. Yeah, because you have to face, like, because you're, you know, putting the plates down, whatever we're talking about, whatever you're doing in your life, you're doing it because you think you have to. You're mm-hmm. doing it because you think you need love, success, belonging, whatever it is. And so at the end of the day, it's like the problem is acknowledging that if I put these plates down, if I put my will down, if I put my control, my need for control down, then I'm going to be a failure. Because that's the prevailing narrative in our culture. So the reason why I put that story on was because I reposted a young quote that I saw. And it was like the greatest inhibitor to a, to a positive relationship with the unconscious is outer success. Okay. So, so the thing that holds you back from a positive relationship with the unconscious the most is outer success. Hmm. So the successful... Because you're being reinforced. Yes. The yes. successful man and woman has no reason to create a relationship with the unconscious. Mm-hmm. No reason at all. This it, is school. This is the problem with school. Like, I mean, truly. Like, I think that this is where it begins for us in our culture. You go to science class. Maybe you hate science. And you don't know why you're doing it. And you have no desire to do it. And you go home and your parents are like, well, buddy, you got to do it. And so you're like, okay. And so you do it. And then you go back and teacher gives you an A, A minus, B plus. Like what? Like, oh, I'm and good everybody at this. congratulates you. And like what just happened is that you were rewarded for self-abandoning. You were rewarded for going where you didn't want to go and doing what you didn't want to do and working hard at it. And by the way, we're going to do this for the next 12 years. And there's going to be very little of it that you care about. Maybe. At least that was the case for me, right? It doesn't, it, it's not actually the concepts. It's actually more of a um, problem with value system and the things not being taught in a way that I valued. Mm-hmm. But all of that aside, like it's worth taking a step back from our culture and be like, dude, we have a lot of systems that are set up to celebrate you to not be who you actually are. So when you're like, man, none of this feels worth it and I'm really fucking tired, just know that you've been celebrated for decades for doing that. totally and I think that you know when it comes to back to our original topic of mantras it's like you can try to convince yourself you are something or you believe something but it's like without that confrontation of the inner world how do you even know like Like, do you even know like what like you're like oh I am confident so that I can do this and it's Mm -hmm. like well do you even want to do that Right, right. And so that's what that's where I was kind of going with this is I'm like, okay, so for decades, you're being reinforced to not be who you are. And then you're standing in front of the mirror in the morning. And you're like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And it's yeah. like, maybe you don't want to do this. 100%. Yeah, I think that. And the, the I think the the most meaningful thing to do in that moment is to, if you're standing in the mirror, look at yourself in the pits of your eyeballs like into your soul and ask yourself do I really want to do this Hmm. because when I did that I like cried for like three minutes in my like rock bottom I like Mm -hmm. you know I was I basically had one of those moments where I was just like completely beating my body to a pulp like just like on Instagram running this business 
in this terrible relationship and I just like look at myself and I'm like, who the fuck are you? Hmm. Like, I don't want this at all. I don't want any of this. Yeah. So then there's the other side of it that like, okay, you look in the mirror and you're like, do I want to do this? And it's like, yes. So now is like the process of, okay, well, I want to do this and I have to take me and that includes the me that comes short, the me that maybe is perceived as whatever, right? Like, I don't know. It's just like accepting the shortcomings. Like if you're like, I want to do this, then you kind of have to accept like that it's you that's doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that like oftentimes because our it feels like almost sometimes our therapeutic systems aren't very inclusive, meaning that like if you can transcend a belief system, you've outrun it. Mm-hmm. When it's like actually the point of you moving through these griefs and these troubles in your life is to integrate them into wisdom. And so that if we actually looked at all of our past traumas and our past struggles in a way, if we integrated them in a way that gave us wisdom moving forward, our capacity to move forward into new and unknown things would be so much greater. But we've been taught that like if we can just believe something else, all of that junk from our past, like it's gone, it doesn't matter. But it's like actually no, that's still there unless you integrate it. But that wis- that foundation of wisdom gives you so much courage and strength to move forward as opposed to you're just kind of this, again, the outer you trying to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the best personal development plan you could ask for is the bullshit you've already been through. Totally. Yeah, it's like... You know, at the beginning of, I don't know if you remember me saying this, but at the beginning of all of my Born to Heal cohorts, I I tell them, like, by the end of this, I would really appreciate if all of the parts of yourself that at least you're aware of by this point, and maybe some that you aren't, by the end of this course, you're going to be sitting at a metaphorical dinner table with all these parts of you, and hopefully it's a a dinner that is kind of pleasant to be at it's not like a shitty holiday family dinner that everyone's fighting and talking about politics yeah subsequently because there's all these parts of you that aren't welcome there right (laughs) right and so i i just you know it's an inclusive process and if there's a part of you that you feel like you cannot include that's probably where you should look first Hmm. you know like when we (laughs) this was something that i've been like thinking about for a year and a half I think I've mentioned to you like it works until it doesn't like a long time ago mm-hmm. so I've been stewing on this like idea for a long time and then in one of my group courses um someone asked about you know like do you guys have any mantras for you know just like a really bad relationship like I have a really bad relationship with food when I get stressed so is there anything I can tell myself when I like stress eat Mm. and just I just like was like oh my gosh this is it this is like for you to say that the energy of the ego is stronger than the energy of this obsessive compulsive unconscious desire to eat that is just so incredibly naive for us to think that we have control over that well that's exactly why there's so much sex scandal in clergy I think that's just the kind of the basis of addiction 
Well, right, but like at the end of the day, what's happening is the ego saying, I'm stronger than this impulse that's in me. Mm-hmm. I'm stronger than this. I will overcome this. And so then it comes out in all these perverse ways. Not always, but, but when it does, that's like kind of what's happening. Yeah, and I think that just like hurts my brain to even think about archetypes, but the archetypal spectrum of instinct to spirit so it kind of lies on this spectrum and how the archetype is working through you. Um, it's kind of based on, like it's going to work through you in a spiritual way and an instinctual way. And so if your relationship to the unconscious is, like if you're outwardly a more spiritual person and you're kind of putting into the shadow all of your instinctive impulses, like sex and like your aggression and like all of these different instinctual impulses that's what's going to be the the kind of compulsion that comes forward okay does that make sense yeah the energy because the psyche is self-regulating it's trying to regulate itself out and onto this even space on the spectrum and so if you are more in your instincts so this is i think the I think this is the psychological basis of the 12 step program is like, if you're more on your instincts and you're like, okay, so I have this compulsion to like devour, whether it's food, drugs, alcohol, whatever, there needs to be this spiritual realm that evens that out. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm thinking that we, I wonder if we don't even have to talk about spiritual, like what about intellectual? Like it seems like if you're living all always yeah, mind and body, you can use the same thing as, you know, spirit and matter, which is instinct and archetype, or mind and body, right? Like kind of similar. And I think we have like you you notice there's a huge resurgence towards stoicism in our culture, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I I think that like the stoic philosophies are are incredible. Almost everything that came out of the Greco-Roman culture is really cool. Um, and it didn't last for thousands of years because it wasn't good, right? But at the same time, there's a huge shadow of stoicism, which is like, I'm going to live all in my mind. I'm going to detach completely from what I'm actually going through, what I'm actually experiencing, what I'm actually living through. And then I think that those things, those chickens come home to roost at some point. Yeah, I mean, I was, I am, I was, am, that person all of us you know like I like I've been like wrestling with that struggle for the past probably two years of just like getting out of my head and into my body um it's like the struggle of my life I would way rather balance yeah and it's just interesting because that's the thing I'm being called to do in the world and it makes me feel really fucking uncomfortable Hmm. and I don't necessarily like it but I have to realize that like there is a potential that is greater than me that is pulling me forward through this Hmm. like I don't have to do it by myself you know like that's that's the hard part is like when we I think that's when we go to the mind and we pervert it and think that our minds are God and then that doesn't make us feel so alone but then it kind of puts us into a spiral of feeling alone um that yeah I don't know where I was going with that but (laughs) yeah so I mean it's interesting that you you're talking about this idea of like you don't really know that you want to do it or you're feeling called to do it Uh it seems like there's a wrestle with will going on there for you for me 
Um, in my bones, like, I feel like I, like I, it feels right. Hmm. You know, like, you and I had the conversation, I don't know, like, probably four months ago. I was kind of like, do I want to go down the path of, like, union analysis and be an analyst? Or do I want to do somatic experiencing? Like, and I was just like, well, I'm just going to hold that tension and see what manifests in it. And for me, the manifestation of that has been probably a few months of just, like, kind of post-traumatic body symptoms of an experience I went through. And just a lot of like body stuff is coming forward and it's like I got really interested in emotions before I even knew the significance of what they held in Mm -hmm. my life and I feel like that's meaningful too so just really trying to like put the puzzle together um and being okay to like if it doesn't work out cool right so that's okay so emotions like for you they have this like hermeneutical aspect like there's like messengers Mm -hmm. and and so that is that to me feels like a way better i'm sorry i don't want to use the word better value isn't right i want to it seems like a more productive or a more like um wholesome way of viewing the the shit you go through in your life as like a message toward like ah oh, you're off the track or like you're you're not moving toward wholeness right now and so rather than you figure out a way around that emotion or to get rid of it actually it, you have to be with it anyway right you have to experience all of your emotions because they'll just be stuck if you don't their energy mm-hmm. but at the same time like almost being curious about why they're there like what is it that they're what's the message that mm-hmm. to me feels like a a good way to start getting in touch with actual divine will like what's coming forward that I'm constantly not listening to well I think we get really caught up in because emotions feel very unsafe it's like trying to understand what is happening um but then we'll try to go into we'll skip the realm of like that experience of the what And we'll jump straight to like why. Hmm. And then we start to make it about ourselves. And then it's like it's because we're this and we're that and we're this. And so it's like you're being like almost shamed into existence. You know like you're being punished for being a human because you're emoting. When actually that's like just the most human thing you could ever do. Hmm. Um, So yeah I think you know with emotions for me I think the the biggest thing with it is like trying not to intellectualize the emotional experience because sometimes it just doesn't make sense Mm, i gotcha what you're feeling doesn't make sense there's not a why it it's nonsensical and it doesn't have to be and i think that the discomfort of that for a lot of people is the hardest part including myself totally you know like week one in the men's group of born to heal you guys were like cool but like what does this mean what do I do with this and it's like just learning to stay with that and then by the end of the group it was like you have people being vessels for divine love and I'm like Jesus like this is incredible so a lot more emotional regulation from a lot of the people yeah and if we back it out to like what we're talking about for this whole podcast I think that that is the fear like that's why we don't surrender to will to any other will than our own is because 
then you do have to live in the questions. You do have to live in the mystery. You do have to live without the why. You do have to live with like the where is this all going? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's where I would say that like right, and that's why faith is the bridge. But also like, you know, it kind of reminds me of that that quote like be careful of wisdom that you didn't earn. Where it's like you kind of have to experience before you get the consciousness. You can't have the consciousness without the experience because then you're going to take yourself in a... You could take yourself down a pretty dangerous path. Mm. You know? So, like, realizing that you have to experience it before you become conscious of it. You can't become conscious of it before you experience it. Because if you do, it's probably going to lead you into more suffering to actually bring the experience back around. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because there is a huge a huge gap between experiencing and knowing. You know, we talked about this last podcast, the being knowledge sort of being different phenomena. Mm-hmm. But, like, I experienced that with projection. Like, I understand what projection is i've talked i've thought about it a lot i've understood (laughs) it a lot but then i when i started well i don't know what it was but like one morning kind of started prompting me in these contemplative sessions to start pulling projections back from the world and it was like it's the most pain i've I've ever experienced when nothing is happening (laughs) like i'm in so much pain and nothing in the world is actually happening to make me feel that way um and so it really helped me realize like the weight of what a projection actually does to someone and what it is. And I don't know that like had I not gone through that experience, I wouldn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. It would be wisdom I didn't earn at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like it is so much easier to talk about projection than to actually bring one back. Right. Like it's pretty incredibly painful and I think the same thing with with shadow work like it's super easy to talk about shadow work and like this is a shadow and that's a shadow and it's like no but how does that shadow feel in your body Hmm. you know like how does that like disgusting gluttonous part of you feel in your body when you want to overeat or you want to over exercise you know like for me that's a big one it's like just, just desire to overexercise or this desire to like outrun food in some way and mm-hmm. it's like yeah I could convince myself like I am beautiful and healthy and worthy as I am and it's like but there's still a part of me that needs to be integrated that believes I'm not and so I have to be with that and I have to feel that and like I feel like the pits in my stomach all of this unworthiness and the shame and this disgust and it's just awful but you know that will never go away if you don't and that's where it's like after experiencing this and getting help help like having mirrors for people to help me experience it has just given me so much faith that like this was learned and experienced that like I don't have to live like this always but it's my consciousness that I've gotten after the experiences of something new Mm. that have allowed me to believe that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think this is why coaching and therapy and like these things are so important because the reason you don't feel it and the reason you don't go there is because you can't hold that container for yourself. And so having someone else that can hold that container so that you can go there 
so that you can learn how to hold it for yourself is at least I'm finding like there's a ton of value in that. Like I, I like to work with Tracy Holemeyer and um, like her being able to be that compassionate presence that holds that space that allows me to go to the place that I'm scared of going. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's building some sort of tolerance in myself to be able to do that when I'm not on the phone with her. Yeah, it's, you know, in alchemy, it's like containing a fire. Like you see this in fairy tales all the time. Um, well, in the Hansel and Gretel fairy tale, um, they throw like the old lady in the in the oven or something. And that's a containing function. And they're containing that like evil energy in that oven and what you do when you like you contain something and add heat to it, which is a coach or a therapist kind of just like shining more consciousness onto it, is like you're heating that up so it can transform. Totally. And I think that, um, yeah, that containing function is so so very important because when we're by ourselves, you know, most of us weren't taught how to contain that, and so it feels like this unconscious energy is just all over the place Hmm. like you have no ability to hold it so i think that that is a really good point cool well we're coming up on an hour is there anything else that you um wanted to say just in in terms of this conversation of of will and 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 the manipulation of it no i put this (laughs) put this meme up on my instagram it was like the it looked like the titanic it looked like a ship that had like gotten to this like muddy part of an island or something and it was this like tiny little backhoe that was like digging it out and the meme was like will was the backhoe and unconscious was the massive titanic ship Uh, and it was like you trying to use will to like work through your unconscious and i was like oh man that's like a super good meme um so yeah I, i guess my encouragement to anyone out there listening is just to you know open yourself up to something that you don't necessarily know and if you're really good at willing your way through things and to do things like what would it feel like to surrender because that's probably if you're a performer if you're a doer if you're a go-getter the most uncomfortable thing for you is to surrender or the most uncomfortable thing for you is to look at your inner weakling the part of you that's a failure um all of these inner parts that aren't necessarily super comfortable. So that's the advice I would give to people. Cool. Go there.